oh, this is gonna be hard. Bottom right, difficult. I can do. That's whiskey. Mm -hmm. It's Gavilan whiskey. Gavilan whiskey. Uh, um, there's a lady in the in the upper right corner. Yeah, she looks very glamorous. She looks glamorous. I don't know who that is. Hmm. Um, she is an Aboriginal Taiwanese actress. I actually know what the flower is, but I think we should describe the rest oh, so, of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, is that, uh, are those butterflies in the upper left corner? No, it's actually a mantis. A mantis. Oh. Yes. Okay. And in the bottom left, we have a picture of China with highlighted one of the provinces. Okay. It's Gansu province. So Gansu what's the flower? Pro I think it's bu orchid, butterfly orchids. Yeah, the answer is orchid. And the connection is that the capital city of Gansu province is Lanzhou. Oh, oh. like Lanhua the land. Yes. So that's how you say orchid in Chinese. Orchid in Chinese is Lan. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? Taiwan might not be a big place, but an awful lot has happened here. And if you wanted to tell Taiwan's story in just a few objects, you'd have a hard time covering everything. Yet the National Taiwan Museum has managed to do exactly this with a newly opened permanent exhibit on how Taiwan as we know it came to be. Last week, museum curator Li Ziming joined us for an introduction to how today's Taiwan emerged. But with so many events and objects to discuss, we only made it part of the way through, exploring Taiwan's indigenous cultures and its long-standing contacts with the outside world. This week, we're picking up where we left off in the 19th century, a time when those outside contacts became much more frequent and intrusive. As we heard last time, Taiwan became a territory increasingly under the control of China's last imperial dynasty, starting in the 17th century. Fast forward to the 19th century, though, and outsiders show up and begin to eye Taiwan. This was the high age of Western imperialism, Japan, just to the north, had been threatened itself by Western gunboats, and it resolved to emulate the Western powers, building its own Asian colonial empire. Taiwan would be a convenient place for a Japanese colony, and in the 1870s, Japan found a reason to scout the place out. In 1871, a group of sailors from the nearby Ryukyu Islands were cast ashore on Taiwan's coast and massacred by indigenous people. Japan regarded those sailors as its nationals, and it responded a few years later in 1874 with an expeditionary force to wreak vengeance. This put imperial China in an awkward situation. Though Chinese settlements had been greatly expanding over Taiwan, they didn't yet cover the whole of the island. The parts Imperial China didn't control, Japan could push into. The Japanese force met with friendly as well as hostile villages, and to the friendly villages were given Japanese flags, inscribed with notes to the effect that the village is friendly. One of these, presented to a village in Taiwan's far south, is on display here. The troops eventually left, but this wouldn't be the last time Taiwan heard from Japanese troops. In 1884, France went to war with Imperial China over Vietnam. But to France, all Imperial lands, including Taiwan, were fair game. A French fleet blockaded the island's northern ports, and French forces even landed, taking the northern port city of Keelong. 
While the war's main objective was Vietnam, Mr. Lee says that the French were also interested in the coal deposits that northern Taiwan had to offer. The French were defeated when trying to land elsewhere on the coast, though, and any idea of taking the island fell away the next year, when the war came to a close. Though action on Taiwan was limited, the war was still a war, and the officials on Taiwan took the extraordinary step of printing a public notice with images of a French tricolor on them, now faded to purple, yellow, and green with age. Mr. Lee says the text of this notice urges those who see ships flying the French flag to attack them. Finally, in 1895, Imperial China lost control of Taiwan for good. Japan was back. Japan and Imperial China went to war, and at the war's end, Japan took Taiwan as a prize. The official notice of Japanese rule and the first official seal of the Japanese colonial governor of Taiwan are on display. But that's not to say that Taiwan went over to Japanese rule completely without a fight. A few unwilling Taiwanese people decided to declare their independence rather than submit to Japan, adopting a flag and everything. The republic they declared fell apart very quickly under Japanese firepower, but its flag remains an interesting one. It shows a tiger painted in Chinese style atop a blue background. Unusually, the two sides of the flag are slightly different. On one side, the tiger's eyes are shown open in daytime, and on the other darker side, the eyes are glowing like a cat's eyes at night. A giant copy of this first uniquely Taiwanese flag is on display here. Japanese rule would go on for 50 years, despite occasional revolts, and eventually building projects, laws, and cultural pressure started to change Taiwan. The Chinese practice of tightly binding women's feet from girlhood so that they became tiny stumps was particularly opposed, first through education and campaigns, and later through the law. It died out within a few decades. In 1923, a few decades into Japanese rule, the island received a royal visit, and not just any royal. This was the crown prince and future emperor Hirohito. His visit was a sensation, and so honored was this visitor that even the bowls and chopsticks he used to eat from while in Taiwan were preserved. They're now in the museum's collection and on display here. Every detail of the visit was carefully recorded. We even know what was on the multi-course menu he ate from, prepared by a famous Taipei eatery of the day. We also know from comments that the dish the future emperor liked the most was called Eight Treasure Rice. Japanese rule would continue on, but Taiwan wasn't done changing yet. In 1945, with the end of World War II, Japanese rule came to an end. The Allies left Taiwan to the Republic of China and its leader Chiang Kai-shek. But it wasn't long before Chiang Kai-shek ran into problems. Within a few years after getting Taiwan, Taiwan was pretty much all the land he had left. Chiang lost the rest of the republic's lands to Chinese communists. His followers retreated to Taiwan and vowed to one day retake the rest of the country, which they never did. But that doesn't take away from the fact that people at the time thought that they might. And so we come to the 1950s and the Korean War. Communist China sent great waves of soldiers into the conflict, but at the war's end, when it came time to exchange prisoners, tens of thousands of these Chinese soldiers declared that they wanted nothing more to do with communism in their homeland. They instead demanded to be sent to Taiwan, which was then still known by the moniker of Free China. 
They not only made these declarations in words, but also with their own actual blood. They took what's today's Taiwanese flag and glued onto it slips of paper bearing their names. These little slips of paper with defecting soldiers' names on them were pasted onto the flag in large numbers and arranged to form Chinese characters spelling out anti-communist slogans. And then there was the blood. Each of these Chinese defectors cut themselves and put their blood on the flags as a kind of oath. Hence the name these flags have gotten, blood flags. The stains of blood are long faded into the flag's main color, which is red. But Mr. Lee says that where the blood has turned brown in places, you can still see it if you look carefully. Next to the flags is a tiny, but for Taiwan, extremely significant item. It's an ordinary-looking fountain pen. But this was the pen used to sign a treaty with the United States guaranteeing Taiwan's defense during the Cold War. Mr. Lee says that without this security treaty, the risk of invasion from communist China would have been much higher. Taiwan as we know it was taking shape, today's home of 23 million people. But what kind of home is it? Now that we've seen Taiwan's story as told through objects, it's this question the exhibit now turns to. It attempts to answer the question through two pieces of art. The first is a recreation of the interior of an indigenous Paiwan house created by an indigenous artist. The second is a photo exhibit. The pictures show ordinary Taiwanese people from all ethnicities and walks of life going about their days inside of their own homes. The next question is, what does Taiwan believe in? Alongside a series of objects illustrating indigenous ceremonies and beliefs about ancestors, there's a wall of statues. Each one of them was once worshipped by ethnic Chinese people. There are 108 in total. Mr. Lee says that ethnic Chinese believe that statues of gods can't just be disposed of once they're done serving their purpose. So when people need to get rid of statues, they do so at temples, in the hope that the temples will take care of them. Taipei's famous Longshan Temple gets tons of them all the time, and they've ended up with so many that they decided to donate some to the museum's collection. Finally, we have a cabinet of objects that each shows how one group shaping Taiwan views the other groups. We have Japanese colonial-era figurines that were once used in schools here to teach kids about the diverse peoples of the Japanese empire. Then there are hand puppets from the ethnic Chinese puppet tradition that show non-ethnic Chinese. And most interesting of all are carved wooden objects that represent Japanese soldiers and ethnic Chinese people made by indigenous artists. This section shows that we in Taiwan are a diverse bunch with different origins and cultures, but we're united in this place we call home. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. It's funny how in big cities you'll always find birds. Real birds. I mean, you'd think they'd prefer to live in the countryside or by the beach or maybe in a nice forest. I mean, it's not like they have to live in the city because that's where the jobs are or because they prefer nightlife in the city. But aside from those real birds, there is another kind of bird you'll find in the big city that you won't find anywhere else. And that is the fake bird. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Year to the Ground, I bring you birds with man-made tweets. An ear to the ground.
Now, if you use Twitter at all, you'll know that that's the sound of a tweet. When you consider that there are more than 400 million tweets a day on the microblogging site, that's a whole lot of bird chirps. And that's not the only man-made chirping sound that you can hear in our modern cities. I've introduced the sound of Taipei's chirping crosswalks before in this program, and almost any computer or cell phone can be configured to make sounds like that, too. Now, on a recent Sunday at Taipei's weekend flower market, I heard some chirping sounds that were decidedly different. I could instantly tell that they were not real birds, but they were too irregular to be made by some sort of electronic component. I discovered a man who was peddling these little porcelain birds with long tails. He was blowing into the tail end, sort of like you blow on a small whistle. But it's different from a whistle because it contains water. It's the water that turns an ordinary whistle sound into a chirping bird effect. Now, of course, being fascinated by interesting sounds, I had to buy one, and it was pretty cheap at just 50 Taiwan dollars. That's about a buck fifty U.S., the sound actually reminded me of another chirping sound from my early years here in Taiwan, about 15 years ago. I used to have a doorbell that sounded like a bird. Now, my current doorbell is not particularly exciting. It's the iconic sound you expect to hear when you ring a doorbell. Now, several days later, I was still thinking about that original bird doorbell sound that I had when I first came to Taiwan. And it reminded me of my life as a student of Chinese. And strangely enough, I thought about the old dirty carpet in my living room and how we'd sit on folding chairs, drinking beer and watching TV. It's funny how sounds can make you nostalgic. I was still thinking about this sound when I dropped by my friend Olivia's place for lunch earlier this week. And I was delighted to discover that she has the same tweeting doorbell. But it turns out she doesn't have a soft spot in her heart for the doorbell like I do. It's alarming. It makes me jump out of my skin every time I hear it. <laughs> do you ever have anybody that's just ringing on your doorbell and you like, can't get rid of them? Every time a garbage lady comes to collect her money. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't answer the doorbell? Is that what the problem is? Or when the bill collectors come? No, if we don't have any money, we can't pay it for a reason. <laughs> Olivia, that's terrible. <laughs> you should be so ashamed of yourself. Have you ever thought of changing your doorbell? I don't, wouldn't even know where to start with that. I don't know why we can't just have a normal, like, ding-dong. I mean, in, in premise, it kind of works. I mean, it sounds like it would be kind of a nice, like, you know, chirpy sound, sort of cheerful. I don't get anything cheerful from it. <laughs> you want to find the bird and kill it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I guess that's just it. You can't feel nostalgic until time has passed. Maybe years later, something will remind Olivia of her tweeting doorbell, and she'll associate it with all the good times that she had in that apartment in Taipei. All right, I'm going to go back to my little porcelain bird now for some more quality time in the Taipei woods. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan.
pull yourself together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Long Live the Queen Ellen. <laughs> this is Andrew. I guess that makes me what? The king? <laughs> <laughs> Then that makes me the Joker. Oh, I, that's a good one. Okay. The jester, the court jester. I like that. I can do that. I is thought it, Andrew was it. <laughs> well, with Reese Ayers here, like, I don't need to be the Joker. You yeah. can let him uh, take some yeah. of the roles. I'll take the pressure off your shoulders of making this a funny show. Okay. Am I funny? I don't think I'm very funny. I think you're funny. Yeah. I think you're funny. Hey. I think I think you're naturally funny. Yeah, I think so. Right? It has that, you know, you have that talent in your voice already. I think you both do. Really? Yeah. We're funny? I'm funny in the way that when people look at me, they don't think I would be funny. Oh, no? Yeah, because I'm the queen. <laughs> Come on. Queen okay? Ellen. They queen see the crown and Ellen. they think, oh, must not be funny. Right. You know, they have a little distance with me, but <laughs> later on they find out, hey. I'm, I'm always laughing around you, Ellen. <laughs> yes. I could be very funny. Mm. Around, okay? not at. <laughs> That's <Okay>. important. <laughs> Please, not at. <laughs> so people might be wondering why we're calling you the queen. I mean, you are the queen every day, but mm-hmm. especially this week. Yes. Uh, so This yes, month. This month month yes oh and i'm wearing my shirt yes okay. she's yes, got a queen shirt it it's you didn't see the back look oh it says queen on it <laughs> a, a in massive queen, letters a massive letter there's a crown on the front right it's bright red you know i don't want people to misunderstand anything you know people should know about this i don't think anybody will misunderstand yeah. this in the yeah. month of march especially my kids mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yes don't Mess with the queen. <laughs> right. So the reason why Ellen Chu is a queen, if you haven't guessed it now, uh, it's her birthday month. Yes. And in yeah. fact, yesterday was her birthday day. Uh-huh. Happy birthday, Ellen. Happy Thank birthday. You. Forever 18. Yes, forever 18. This year, all my cake, you know, has an 18 candle on it. And then, then mm-hmm. my son comes up and says, is it 81? <laughs> no wonder That's a smart I'm, kid. I am his... Nightmare. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. He brings it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that connection. Uh-huh. He's going to be doing this to you forever. You know this. I know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, we are going to be celebrating your birthday in today's show. Really? I think it's only fitting, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we have some fun things planned. In fact, I have one Ooh. thing right there that you can go ahead and try. Already? In the box. Wow. The white box. This? Yes. Okay. Uh, you can open that up. Is this chopstick mine? That is, is your chopsticks. Okay. Unused. How come there's like food stuck on it? Because I, uh, <laughs> I was mixing some other things we together. We were moving food Ooh. around. I guess you'll immediately know what this is. I know. It's like... Okay, I'll say it in Chinese for 猪脚面线, mm. okay? So it's like the pork knuckle and with the thin, long noodles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But usually this is for people who went through something like a bad luck. No. No? This is a birthday thing, Ellen Chu. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Long noodles yep. are a symbol of longevity. Mm-hmm. Right. And my mom used to say that when you eat the long noodles, you, you're not supposed to chew it off. Oh, oh, right. You're supposed to, to slurp, slurp it down. It. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is all like stuck together and it just kind of breaks. Uh-oh. You know? <laughs> What does that mean? Andrew. Okay, I have a one long one here. Okay. okay. You got to slurp that down and don't cut it off. 
You're gonna oh. live forever. Oops. <laughs> that snapped off pretty quickly. Oh. Are you feeling okay, Ellen? I'm feeling amazing. Okay. Oh no, Ellen Chu. Oh. The pork knuckle looks very juicy. I know. So why pork knuckle? I don't know. That's I think that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I know that pork knuckle has a lot of collagen in it. Mm-hmm. So that's probably very good for your skin mm-hmm. and your complexion and looking youthful. Yeah. Mm. Keep um, that elasticity in your skin. This is very and, good. But Ellen looks great anyway. Uh, I, I'm not going to ask a lady's uh, age, but uh, Ellen, you look not a day over... Say it. <laughs> say it. 18. I said it earlier. Great. <laughs> I, I'm not afraid to expose my age. Really? Yeah. Okay. 51 this year. Wow. Can you un- believe that? Okay, I honestly can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, 51. Um, amazing. Yeah. 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 You know, if you keep yourself positive and also energetic and you keep yourself with a young heart, I think, you know, in your mind, age doesn't really matter. I see people younger than me, you know, in my kids' school and the way they act, is even older than I am. I don't think you've changed much in the last uh, 20 years. Thank you. I mean, you (laughs) (laughs) She always says you too and then looks up at my hair. (laughs) I'm going to choke. I know. I'm going to choke on my noodles. You did that to yourself, Ellen Chu. (laughs) No, because I did not look up at your hair. He is just being, see, self-conscious. She didn't look up at my hair because there's nothing to see. (laughs) (laughs) He's wearing a baseball hat. Hat, ladies and gentlemen, right. okay? That is right. I wow. already looked beyond that. Okay? Oh, that's <laughs> I'm looking so at beautiful. hello. <laughs> She's looking at the wall behind my head. Right. Bienvenidos. Uh, <laughs> we have all the languages behind my head. See, this is how we keep us, you know, ourselves young. We're always like laughing at something. Laugh every day. It's the best medicine. Right. I find a little self-effacing humor also takes mm. the edge off. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. You know, my son, like, you know, I told this story before, but I don't think you've heard it. My son came back from school the beginning of school school year and he ran into the house and said mom 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 dad you guys won we did we got number one i said what you know our teacher asked us questions like you know our age of our parents and you guys were number one and (laughs) number two that's a smart kid again and i'm just like you know who is your homeroom teacher i have a nice talk with him what kind of like you know question is this for first day of school <laughs> usually you would say you know how many siblings you have mm-hmm. you know raise your hands like how old is your parent I bet the teacher wants to like just calculate like which parents he can like strong arm and right. which ones he, he's not gonna pull mm-hmm. the wool over their you know, eyes you know, very obviously, me and my husband, like, way ahead, okay? <laughs> All the others are maybe, like, in their mid-30s mm. or early 40s. But I can't tell the difference. I mean, I've seen you with all the other parents, and you all look the same. Thank you. Yeah. But, you know, I often hear the comment of saying that, oh, I'm so old. I'm so old. I'm just looking back. How old are you? Please do not say the word old in front of me, okay? And they're just like, well, you know... I feel old, but mm. you know, I just said that you know, it's it's just the way. If you think you're old, then, then you, you will be. You yeah. will be old, absolutely right. As soon as you resign yourself to right. old age, you're so you're done. I can see you like you know, in the next ten or twenty years, you're still going to be age like you know, twenty right now. I hope so. My dad's pretty fit and healthy. He plays uh-huh. football. He's almost sixty, mm. and he's he's still going. So I've got some hope. He's pretty right. handsome. Too, he's a very he's a daddy. He's a daddy. Sure. He's a really? Daddy. Yeah. You seen photos? Oh, I've seen photos. Oh. <laughs> Reese comes by his good looks rightly. Wow. Yes. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. My mom's got something to do with it, too, I guess. Okay. Yeah. 
stay young, you know, keep the juvenile, you know, mentality <laughs> inside you. I yes. think, you know, I carry my Hello Kitty still. You know, I don't care if people Cute. think that. Why are you using Hello Kitty? Like, you know, yeah. you're like 50. You have a Powerpuff mask on. It's great. Right. Yeah. I don't care. I love it. You know, this is the little girl in me. Okay? That's right. It's always going to be there. And we're going to be celebrating that little girl in Ellen Chu in right. today's my show. My 18th birthday. Ooh, that's right. So we check out what's on our menu. In a first course, Andrew and Reese have prepared some symbols of longevity to help Ellen celebrate her big day. That's Ooh. right. Uh, we're going to, in our second course, tell you about another type of longevity noodle called Yimian. And what's interesting is they're the original instant noodle and have been eaten for hundreds of years. Wow. The bowl I brought you is only like... Like minutes old. Okay, thank goodness. You know, I was thinking hundreds of years with mold. And in our third and final course, Andrew prepares a bowl of those noodles to wash down the show. Huh. That's right. It's okay. going to be a fun show all about Ellen. Woohoo! But first, a song, and this one's called Long Live. Uh, and you can fill in the blank, the queen. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Long live everyone. That's right. And it's by Taylor Swift. And when we come back in just a moment, we're going to fill the studio with gifts for Ellen. Okay. I said, remember this moment in the back of my mind. The time we stood with our shaking hands, the crowds in went wild We were the kings and the queens And they read off our names The night you danced like you knew our lives would never be the same You held your head like a hero On a history book page Okay, we are celebrating Ellen Chu today because yesterday was her birthday. Yes, so I heard that you guys are presenting some symbols of longevity. Yes, we are. We're going to fill the studio. Some of these gifts are really big, Mm -hmm. so we brought them in on a horse and cart. We did. Wow, Uh, better than Santa. Cue the foley with the the clopping sounds. Okay. There we are. (laughs) Well, that's pretty good, Ellen Chu. Hey. (laughs) All right, so uh, here are the things that we have brought you. Uh, and uh, you can decide what you would like to, to do with these things. All right. So, Ellen Chu, we have mm-hmm. brought you a small orchard of peach trees. <laughs> peach trees? Yes. You're going to have to find a place to plant these. Oh, it's okay. I have a center courtyard. 
in our building. <laughs> I'm just going to plant it there to share with all my neighbors. Perfect. How's that? So nice. And it's not only because you're such a peach, it's because also this is a symbol of immortality Ooh. that was grown by uh, a, pl- a woman called Shi Wang Mu. Have you heard of her? Ooh. She's the queen mother of the West who is married to the Jade Emperor mm-hmm. and she tends to the peaches of immortality in their palace gardens. Wow. And apparently, um, these peaches, if you eat them, you will live forever. There we are. Wow. I, I think there is some sense of, like, trueness in there. Because I went to interview a Changshou Chun. Mm-hmm. It's like a village of longevity. And the elderlies are, like, you know, 200 years old in Turkey. Wow. Two, they can't be 200 years old. Yeah. Like the world's record is 100. Maybe it was like close yeah. to 200. I don't know. <laughs> but it was like more than 100. Anyway, they eat like, you know, the the peaches and they the pit. Oh, really? Yes. You eat the pit. They, they dried it and made it into some kind of nuts. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that was possible. Something so I look like forward that. to um, you maybe sharing some of those peaches back with us. Well, you I'll so? see <laughs> if it's like, you know, making me live forever, like two, but I don't want to live till 200 years old. Oh, just, uh, just over a hundred. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, I don't even want 100. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of gifts here that's going to be uh, prolonging yeah. your life. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> you might Next. make it to a thousand Next. at this rate. Next. Uh, well, okay. the second gift is uh, a flock of cranes. Cranes? Yeah. Oh, that is with the, uh, the Changshou Gong. Uh-huh. You know, the, if you see the ancient painting, he always have these cranes standing mm-hmm. by him. Oh, the god, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, the immortals were, were supposedly riding them, uh, using them riding as Riding them? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I think cranes are beautiful birds. Yes, but and... I don't think they can sustain a human body, though. <laughs> like, these are huge cranes, Ellen. You can ride these ones, yeah. Maybe it's the crane for construction, yeah. right? Okay. And also, the, the white feathers of the bird are supposed to be like the white hairs of the elderly oh. as well. Oh, interesting. Interesting. We also have here a small forest of pine trees. A lot of trees going here. (laughs) Pine trees? Yeah, because pine trees are evergreens. So they are constantly youthful and they live for a very, very, very Mm -hmm. long time. Okay, that's going to be planted in the center of our building too. Okay. 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 All right. Well, then next to put inside your forest that's Mm -hmm. growing, we have a family also of tortoises. Tortoises? Oh, yeah. Actually, the gui is mm-hmm. also a symbol of longevity mm-hmm. in Chinese, okay? Mm-hmm. But, live. you know, they used to offer some kind of like, you know, not turtle, but beer soup. Ooh, Ooh. that's also a turtle soup, yeah. Right, but, you know, have you had it before? No, but once I was flying on an airplane and they gave me the, the jelly that was made with turtle shell and I didn't Ooh. know until I'd finished it that that's what it was. Okay, the black gal. 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 Yeah. yeah. I was not mm. pleased about having eaten that. I don't think that they actually put um, the turtle in it anymore. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's usually it's fake. It's more vegetarian. Okay. okay. Well, right. That's fine. Well, I think it probably has gelatin in it, but right. probably not turtle shells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we also have a small uh, family of spotted deer. <laughs> oh, to, I like that. You're going to have to feed those, I think. <laughs> okay, I'll ask my kids. Um, those are known for endurance, for grace, and for long life. Oh, okay. All right, All we're right. going to go into another song here. And when we come back in just a moment, what are we going to be doing? 
we're going to be introducing ancient instant noodles. All right. Which are also a longevity noodle. And this song is called Fang Ke Pao Mian. Okay, it's called Funk Instant Noodle. And it's by Che Zhi Li Daniel. All right. Are we supposed to know him, Daniel? Uh, no. Okay. But he's our new friend. All right. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. And go. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. Okay, we're gonna talk about the original and the most ancient instant noodle, e mian. That's right. These are a flat egg-based noodle with Cantonese Ooh. connections. It is the lifelong noodles of, I guess, Canton, Guangzhou, Guangdong, yeah, Shang Cantonese, Hong Kong. Right. Yes. All of those things are true. Is it this bowl? <laughs> It is that bowl, and we're going to be sampling that in our third course, okay. so don't dig in yet, Ellen Chu. I can't. It does look I'm very hungry. appetizing, though. It looks very good. I okay. hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are a fun noodle. They're made from flour and eggs. There's no water actually in the noodles themselves. Wow. And that's why they can last so long. Right. Well, and before, traditionally, it's duck eggs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it gives them a really nice texture, mm-hmm. uh, a texture that's quite different from other noodles. They're kind of a mm-hmm. bit, this sounds bad, but maybe a bit more rubbery, bouncy, yes. kind of bouncy, chewy. chewy. Yeah. yeah. And I think the reason it was like the original instant noodles is because they deep fry it. 
Yes. Right? That is right. I actually have um, two little um, uncooked packages of imian that I can show you and we can describe. Hmm. Okay. So, but I know that in Cantonese they cook it this way, but they also have like um, uh, the crunchy one, the deep fried one, mm-hmm. and then they put like stir fry over it, the hot sauce. Uh, so see, when they melt it, yes, when they melted it, it melts into the noodle. I've not tried it, but I've seen these, this fried one. It's kind of mm. like a... I like those. The, you see these at Luwei places. Mm. Yes. You know, they do the stewed vegetables. Um, can you stew this as well, these fried noodles? Absolutely. So the, the one that you're holding there, Reese, those are more traditional Tainan-style mm. ones. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they put the noodles... Um, in a clump on top of the spoon, like a mm. ladle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they lower it into oil oh. to fry it. So they actually take on the shape of the back of the spoon. Oh, oh, cool. And then those make little batches of noodles that you can then pull out whenever you need them and cook them. It's kind of right. nest shaped, isn't it? And people do like, you know, cook it and then make it into like the softer version. Mm. And they could also eat it like putting over like hot oil, like stir fries over it Mm -hmm. to melt it over these yes and it gives it a little bit of the crunch Mm. you know i love that so much the texture Mm -hmm. and basically i've seen people just crumble it up and sprinkle it over on dishes so Mm. you can eat it many different kind of like a like a crouton but like a noodle it's a cantonese crouton it's kind of like a a little snack and in fact uh people will eat instant noodles just without cooking them Can, can we try it uh, if you'd like. I don't know if you can eat these. I have a habit of um, when I buy a bag of instant noodles, I will always take a bite out of the raw noodles because mm. I just love that texture and that crunch. It's not bad. It's the same. It's kind of the same thing, I think. Mm. What a lot of people do is with the wang zimian, the prince noodles, mm. they Salt take the pepper. seasoning packet and dump it on the uncooked noodles, mm-hmm. crunch it all up in the bag, yeah. and then just eat it like yeah. a snack. You know, it's actually pretty good, like just without it, without anything. Try it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, I mean, they sell bags in the su- in the supermarket convenience stores of instant noodles that are designed just right? to be eaten as a snack. Mm. Uh, yeah, nice yeah. snack. That is pretty good. Uh huh. Um, next time, I'll make some seasoning that we can pour over the top of it. Ooh, create our own little snack, right? Mm. Okay. So we have actually a legend behind the creation of these uh, noodles. There's a Qing Dynasty official called Yi Bing Shou. So his last name was Yi, which is where you get the Yi from mm-hmm. from Yi mm-hmm. Mian or Yi noodles. And so he had a lot of people that would come to his house, like a lot of literati, famous people. Um, and he his staff often had to create banquets at the like kind of at the last minute's notice without any notice. Mm. And so he created these noodles. He invented them so that his staff didn't have to work as hard, and they would always have something that they could just cook up at a moment's notice. So mm. that's how you get imian. Hmm. Wow. Very convenient. Mm. I think that's interesting. And the reason they call it e is because when they're rolling out the noodles, they go e. Is it? <laughs> yeah. E. <laughs> e. Is that the sound that you e. make or the noodles make when you're rolling noodles? I don't know. I don't roll any noodles. <laughs> I think they say it's the it's like when you get enough power in yourself to mm-hmm. like roll them out. But isn't that ugh? Ugh. Well, I mean, that's what I make when I'm rolling that's noodles. That's what I make. So, is that a language thing? It might be a language thing. <laughs> well, we, I've never done it with duck eggs. So. I think maybe it's because of duck eggs. So, that's why they go, oh! <laughs> All right, we're going to be sampling these in just a moment. But first, another song. What do we have? Okay, another song. It's called Mian Mian by Fang Da Tong. Well, Mian Mian is kind of like, you know, doubling the word. And... 
it's usually spoken by kids, Ray. I want to eat meh meh. Uh, I want to eat noodle noodles. Yeah. Okay. Noodle okay. noodle. Do you want to eat meh meh? Meh meh. I'm always ready for noodles. Okay, so that's how parents would ask kids. Right. So, fondantong. Okay. And we'll be back in just a moment with those noodles. Hashi 随时随地任何事情都爱吃 More longevity noodles. Okay. This time, yimian, and they are dry noodles, mm-hmm. so there's no soup in them. Uh, a little bit of um, pork on top, mm-hmm. stewed pork, a tea egg, mm-hmm. I guess, or a, a stewed egg, and some bamboo. Mm. Delicious. This is my favorite texture for noodles. Mm. You know, noodles, sometimes you got the hand-pulled noodles, they can be quite soft. Uh, but these have that bounce to them that are just, it's just it. so satisfying. Compare Ooh. it to oh, this yes. one. This so the, one is more saucy. Am I gonna, saucy. I'm going to live a long time mm-hmm. as well. Saucy. Mm-hmm. Saucy noodles. Let's get some mercury in here. Then we'll live for a real long time. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is this is saucy and this is more bland. So the, the original ones, the cellophane noodles that she had at the beginning are, are less flavorful. This one is this one is less flavorful. Yeah, I, I, the texture of the the changshou mian, mm-hmm. it's a bit kind of sloppy. I mm-hmm. think because the noodles are so thin, they just kind of all stick together. Where the, these ones, they're they, it's easy to pull the noodles apart, and they're kind of flat, wide egg noodles. I think is what mm-hmm. we really refer to them in the West as, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So it's just kind of a, like angel hair and regular pasta. Yeah. The flat yeah. one. 
It's a little springy, springier. It's more like fettuccine. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like a very thin fettuccine mm-hmm. because it's flat and it's right. springier than uh, spaghetti is. Can you make these with it with a soup, or are they generally served kind of fried? You and can dried? have it like yeah. with a soup. Mm-hmm. If you make them with a soup, you definitely want the deep fried version, mm-hmm. the crispier version, because those will last in the soup for a long time without mm-hmm. going soft. You mean this kind? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So the crunchy kind that we were uh, sampling in the studio earlier. Uh huh. Um. The kind that you're eating now is actually, I'm not sure that it's deep fried. I think it's just dried rather than deep fried. Mm-hmm. Really? So if you deep fry it, it definitely lasts longer and it does wet better inside a soup. I think I think they deep fried it. It tastes a bit oily. Yeah, it has the oil. That one there is definitely deep fried. Okay. Mm-hmm. I you mean, mean this the one? other one. Oh, this oh. one. Yeah, this one looks like it's just dried, dried perhaps. Right? Yeah. And that is the one that you're eating now. Oh, mm. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to buy some of these because they're, they're very easy and quick to cook, right? And you mm. kind of, you just stir fry them. It takes about three to four minutes uh, and you just, you can boil them. Boil them. And then put a sauce on top of them. Yeah. Uh, you can make a very easy sauce like sesame oil, mm-hmm. you know, and just, you know, put it over it. You could definitely also stir fry it, but I would, um, I wouldn't boil them to completion. Sure. I would only cook them partially. And mm-hmm. then when you're stir frying it, it will actually cook some more. Yeah. Mm. yeah. This is a great meal. For, I, I don't really cook much at home. Mm. I honestly don't much enjoy the process of cooking. Um, but now that I'm kind of getting in, into the gym more, it mm-hmm. it's makes more sense that I cook my own food. And mm-hmm. this would be a great way to just like whip up a quick meal or two, throw mm-hmm. some chicken in, right. you're away. Absolutely. This so. is this is the original instant noodles yeah. and it's still pretty instant, mm-hmm. to yeah. be honest. Okay. Yeah. Ellen, you feel like you're going to live a long, long time? I think I can go up to at least 500. There we are. <laughs> no problem. Okay, I'll be here, you guys. And so, so, will, and so will Feast Meets West. That's yes, right. and you guys stay healthy, okay? Because we're all going to live up to 500. In terms <laughs> of shows, this has a lot of longevity, 20 years. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, we'll be celebrating in August. What is the August. longest show in RTI? This might be it. Wow. Really? Well, definitely in the English service. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll uh, I'll look into it for the Mandarin service. Yeah, yeah. Try to check it out. Maybe we are the longest. It's very possible. That's mm, so cool. Okay. The longest and the most unique. <laughs> so send your uh, birthday cards to Ellen. Our address is P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, yes. Taiwan. I don't need to read this on my birthday. Uh, do you notice how I jumped in there and did the yeah. addresses? I, I saw you rolled off the tongue as well. Okay. And email? <laughs> A-N-D-R-O-O at rti.org.tw. Okay. And what's on next week? I'm going to be baking a cake to celebrate pineapple pandemonium. Pandemonium, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. And we do have one final song. Mm -hmm. It's called Dancing Queen. This is for you, Ellen Chu. All right. For Feast of Success, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. And I'm Reese Ayers. Happy birthday, Ellen. Happy birthday. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.